All right, well, uh, yeah, I um, uh, would like to take this opportunity to introduce myself. Uh, I don't want to assume that uh, you know me or my story or my wife's story. Uh, incidentally, um, you know, I wasn't, I mean, I, you know, I convinced myself, don't get nervous, don't worry about it. You're talking to your spiritual family, and all you're doing is just sharing your heart, right? So, you know, here I am. I came to church. I was prepared just to speak my, uh, my heart. Uh, and then, of course, you know, my mom comes, uh, which I've, you know, like it's been a long time since she came to church <laughs> with me. So now I'm a little nervous, you know, because I, you know, like I got representation in the room. And uh, I just want to make sure that, you know, I don't say anything that would be disparaging. Yeah, okay. Um, so uh, there's, a, there's a story that I'm going to share about uh, what we're going to be hearing today uh, from God's Word. Um, but, uh, but I'd like to focus uh, our minds on uh, belief, belief in the Word. We've been going through this uh, kind of series uh, focused on our belief, right, our belief system. Uh, so, uh, so what I'd like to, to do is uh, talk to you about uh, what I personally do uh, in order to strengthen, to reinforce uh, my belief system. Um, and uh, of course, we want to believe. Uh, we want to believe in the word and not in the world. Now, some of us may feel like, well, you know, the world doesn't really influence me that much, and I'm hoping uh, that some of what I share. Uh, will uh, spark some uh, curiosity uh, in us uh, about that. Okay, so, um, well, let's, let's pray first. Yeah, amen. Let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, I uh, thank you so much for uh, this time of worship. I thank you that uh, you've given us an opportunity to uh, gather, uh, to uh, set our hearts on worshiping you. Um, I'm so grateful for the worship team and the audio-visual team, uh, the team that runs uh, the sound and the video and all the things that are uh, necessary for us uh, to have a proper worship. Uh, thank you so much for uh, the uh, events that are happening uh, in our life. We know that um, it is you who leads us, who guides us, uh, who uh, delights uh, in uh, a relationship with us, and uh, we're so grateful for that. Uh, we love you so much. Um, please be with um, uh, the, uh, uh, the service here. Um, I really pray that uh, it is not the things that I want to say, but the things that you want uh, my brothers and sisters to hear uh, that comes out. Uh, I really uh, pray that um, uh, whatever, we can, uh, whatever we can hear, whatever um, uh, sparks uh, a... Uh, an emotion from us uh, that uh, we know that it comes from you. Uh, we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. All right. So, yes, I, I am very grateful for uh, the opportunity to share uh, the word with you. I think that it is uh, a sacred practice uh, that happened all the way back into the times uh, when um, the Mosaic Law was, um, was introduced. Um, so, you know, the relationship between uh, the people of God and the words that were spoken, um, we know that obviously, you know, the words were, weren't written down until very much later, which meant that we had to carry, the people of God had to carry the words in their hearts. Um, so, you know, preaching is, for me, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a thing as much as, you know, the privilege of 
uh, being able to speak the words of God amongst God's people. That to me is uh, something that uh, doesn't, you know, isn't taken lightly. Um, I am very grateful for the worship team uh, and, and the teams that help us to do this. I, I think most of us feel that way that, you know, worship couldn't really happen. Uh, I mean, you know, personal worship obviously could happen. Communal worship, you know, I mean, it, it can be enriched, right, by people who have great voices, who can sing, who can lead us in singing. So uh, I think that that's, uh, that's fantastic. Okay, so uh, talking about belief. Uh, beliefs uh, are a system, right? Like uh, they, uh, you, you don't always uh, naturally believe the first thing that you hear, right? Usually, right? Like, you know, it, it needs to be reinforced by facts, right? Like, for instance, uh, how many of us in, in our life believe that we would be an author when we, you know, grow up, like as a child? Did anyone ever believe that? All right, I guess, oh, okay, yeah, okay, good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I thought I would be an author, right? Um, a good book can stay with you, right? And, and it can really uh, nourish you. Uh, how about pro athlete? Anybody think they would be a pro athlete? Okay, all right, we got a few, right? Yeah, uh, kids, they need heroes, right? Like, you know, that's a very powerful imagery of who we could become is uh, through, uh, you know, athletics, right, professional athletics. Uh, how about uh, protein? Uh, some of us believe we really need protein, right? And, of course, there's a whole thing about whether it's animal protein or plant protein. <laughs> uh, yeah, I watch too many uh, documentaries. Um, <clears throat> exercise. You know, like some of us believe that exercise lengthens your life, right? Adds to your health. Uh, some of us, you know, we, we have a loose... Uh, belief as far as that's concerned. That's no big deal. Uh, relationships. Some of us believe, hey, I need a lot of relationships. Uh, some of us believe, you know, I need a few relationships, right? Wealth. Uh, it brings me security. It gives me immunity from my problems or, or other people's problems, right? Um, purpose. Some of us believe that we absolutely need a purpose in order to define who we are. Uh, family. Uh, brings happiness, marriage fills a void, uh, travel, you know, it, it enlightens us, it brings fulfilling experiences, right? All of us believe in these things, uh, you know, to a certain degree, right? Now, let me ask you, does believe or your belief in it actually fulfill it, right? So in other words, like, you know, you could have a passing thought, yeah, exercise would be great, right? <laughs> But you actually have to follow through with exercise in order to say, hey, I exercise, right? Like, I believe in exercising doesn't really ring the same tone as, hey, I exercise because I believe in it, right? Okay, so on to a little bit about us, our story. Uh, in 1991, my mom probably doesn't remember this, but in 1991, uh, I uh, went to Las Vegas for spring break. Uh, freshman year, came back home. My mom probably was concerned about me, so had this conversation, our first conversation about heaven and hell. She says, hey, are you going to heaven? Because she didn't want to hear <laughs> the second part. And I said, nah, no, I don't think so. I don't think I'm making it. Now, you know, she raised me 
uh, in the church. So, you know, I had an idea of what I was saying. I didn't understand the consequences of going to hell, but, you know, I thought, yeah, I don't think I'm going to make it. Because I don't, I, I, I got to believe that there is some requirement, right? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know what it was. I just knew instinctively, yeah, I don't, I don't think God wants a knucklehead like me in heaven, right? Okay, so of course, I think that causes her concern. Uh, two days later, a disciple meets me on campus. I didn't get this, right? I was just like, all right, cool, you know? And I thought, oh, I really should be more involved in church. It's, it's, it's you know, my opportunity uh, to kind of gain, you know, like a, a liberty about religion, right? Uh, but I, I didn't really get it. Uh, anyways, uh, a week later, um, I get baptized, and I become a disciple of Christ. Yeah, so very interesting, the timeline. Um, but yeah, it was a life-changing, transformational moment in life. And I had no clue how transformational it would be. And I probably still don't understand, you know, the rest of life, right? I mean, I've lived, you know, 30, 31 yeah, years as a, as a disciple of Christ. Okay, so... Uh, in 1993, Koki, who is a single mom, uh, she's, you know, like, uh, she wins my respect because she works full-time, she goes to school full-time, she raises two kids, uh, husband isn't in the picture, she's going through a transition, you know, like, they were, their marriage was on the rocks. Um, she visits uh, an Asian ministry event uh, weeks later, I think, uh, maybe, you know, two months later. She... Uh, was baptized as well. Uh, we didn't know each other. We were on opposite sides of the tracks. I mean, if you saw who we were at the time, I think it would be safe to say that, you know, like God performs miracles that are indescribable, immeasurable, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not kidding about that. Okay, so in 1995, we were married. Uh, she was 22, uh, 24. I was 23. Um, we, uh, we found ourselves with a, fended, a blended family to build, right? Uh, there wasn't a template for this, not in the church, not at the time, right? Uh, so not that we figured it out on our own, uh, but we definitely had to work through issues. Uh, most of them were belief system issues, right? Um, so we have two young girls. Uh, you see them. This is our uh, picture of uh, us returning from our honeymoon, um, and I had no idea that those two young girls would turn into beautiful women. Uh, they have families of their own. Um, you know, my older daughter has the three kids on the right side. Uh, and then my younger daughter just had uh, her first son, um, whom we adore. Uh, it's like a center of gravity for me, you know. Like, I have to see him uh, and touch him. Uh, because FaceTime is just not, uh, you know, it's not adequate, yeah. And uh, some of you may, you know, have that sense, right? Like you, you know the power of uh, wanting to be influential in the lives of the people you love, like you crave their attention, right? So, okay. Uh, I want to share with you my approach because I think that will help you to understand where I'm coming from, right? Uh, I... I am naturally a very curious person. I like to, you know, like uh, I, um, I study psychology because I wanted to figure people out. 
Uh, and I figured, well, I can't figure people out. So I went into IT. Uh, and then, you know, <laughs> IT, of course, is full of people, which, you know, <laughs> is uh, problematic in, in some ways. Um, anyways, yeah, uh, I have a, a career in IT. You know, I love it. But anyways, uh, yeah, I like to ask uh, very tough questions. Um, I like to ask tough questions of God because I believe he loves me enough to give me the answer. Uh, I love to ask tough questions of myself because I think that my way of worship, my personal worship, is to refine who I am, my approach uh, to God, uh, because, you know, like, I've not arrived. Um, and I like to ask tough questions of others because I think that not everybody is curious, and I think it's good to hear tough questions even if you don't ask tough questions yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why we need each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. So, um, uh, you know, asking questions, receiving answers from them, um, they do expand your understanding, right? Like, you know, the, the goal of this life, I believe, uh, it's a part of what I'll, I'll share, is uh, to really, really get who God is. To really, really understand the Creator, who loved me enough in Ephesians 2 to consider uh, equality with God, nothing to behold, but to become a bondservant, to be the least that I expected a Lord to be. I want to understand that heart, right? Uh, and I think asking tough questions uh, helps us, helps me to do that. Uh, it enriches my thoughts. You know, sometimes I talk to brothers and sisters, and I say stuff that, you know, I've just been thinking about, and it enriches the conversation. I didn't know, right? I have no clue. This is just my process that I go through. And I think sometimes it's meaningful uh, to some of us. Sometimes it ain't that meaningful, right? Like, for instance, you know, the 49ers are the best football team ever, right? I... I'm sure in your heart you feel that way too, right? You just can't express it the way that, you know, enlightenment. Okay. All right. So how I grow in my belief in the word, uh, there are many ways, okay? Uh, and these don't have to be your ways. Uh, I'm just sharing with you what works for me. One, uh, trust. Trusting in God's promises. There are over 3,000 promises that God makes to us in the scriptures. Obviously, we can't remember every single one of them. But there are certain ones that uh, you cling to or you can cling to uh, more so than others, right? That you remember that, you know, like you really, that stays in your heart. It's, it's kind of impressed, right? Okay, so... Uh, it says, not one of all of the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. Now, if you know the backstory to this, you know that this is coming into uh, the promised land, right? That, that God's people have just gone through four long books in the Bible of suffering, you know? And then it says this, right? Like to me, it's really difficult for me to wrap my mind around not one 
of all of God's promises, right? Because trust, you know, trust um, is, is difficult to, it's difficult to grasp, right? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a process. It needs time. It needs reinforcement, right? It needs, uh, it, it needs uh, some, you know, like uh, uh, marination, right? It doesn't just establish itself uh, out of nowhere, right? For me, I think one of the reasons why it's difficult for me to really, like, settle on this is because uh, I've broken promises, and I've had promises made to me break. Uh, so uh, it's very difficult to imagine that there is a perfect promise maker and a perfect promise keeper, but that is who God is for us, right? Uh, trust. Trust needs a foundation. Uh, it's, not, it's not trivial, right? I think the greater the promise, the more emotionally I am, uh, the more emotionally bound I am to trust the promise maker, right? Like, if someone reinforces promises to you, promises that move from good to really good to, I don't deserve this, Right? Uh, how can we not be emotionally bound to the next promise? Right? And, and then I think it becomes less about the fulfillment of the promise, but just about the love that comes from the promise maker. Right? Uh, have, you, have you ever tried to build trust with someone who doesn't care about you? Uh, how do you feel, right? Okay, so <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. How do you feel about being able to cast your anxiety onto somebody else? Right? Yeah. It's a, it's a relieving feeling, right? Is that something we can do for each other? Yeah, I think so. To the extent that God does it, probably not, right? But uh, we know that he's deeply concerned about us, about our anxieties, because he has compassion on us. He thinks about it. He wants us to do it because the natural, like, flowing emotion for us is compassion. He knows how it affects us, right? Anxiety about what? You know, like, how our life is going to turn out, right? About our wealth, about our security, about becoming a pro athlete, right? I still got time, so I'm really, I'm really hoping, yeah. <clears throat> but, but, you know, like, uh, there, there are these... There are these, these uh, you know, bags that we carry with us, right? And, of course, they weigh your heart down, and God knows this, right? And, and we, we can see it sometimes in the fellowship, you know, like, 
I asked the brother this morning how he's doing. Whew, tough week. I was like, oh, man, say a little prayer for you. Maybe, you know, like I didn't feel like he was ready to engage at the moment. So just say a little prayer for you, right? Because oh, I know the feeling. I've had tough weeks, right? God shows his perfection by being willing to observe, ab- absorb our burdens, right? Like to me, the perfect parent is the parent who would never burden the child with something that is greater than the child could bear, right? Because that causes harm. We know this, right? Uh, I think God is the perfect parent because he is always thinking about this. Like, he has compassion on us, and he wants us to cast our anxiety on him, which means we have no anxiety, right? Like, how... You know, sometimes, like, I want to ask God, how did you become this way, <laughs> right? Like, what books did you read? <laughs> you know, like, did Tony Robbins visit you or something? You know, I'm just kidding, people. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's amazing, right? It's like, it's indescribably, immeasurably perfect, right? And it's what we long for. He knows that this is how, like, you know, the, the, the words in the Bible are not accidental, I think, right? Like, you know, we could, be, we could not believe in God at all, right? Like, to me, I knew I was going to hell. I had no uh, compulsion about saying that. I'm sure my mom was like, super, like, what are you talking about? I do not have a son who's going to go to hell, right? Um, but, but, you know, like, you, you, you know in your soul, God created you to know what you would need from him, right? And, of course, I think we try to fill those gaps with the things of the world, right? And it just doesn't, it doesn't work. It's not lasting, right? Um, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. I don't think that it's a coincidence that something that refreshes your soul would also make you wise. I don't think that that's a, you know, like, think about that, right? The things that really fill your soul, that bring you a great amount of pleasure and refreshment. Those are the things that make you wise. Huh, interesting, right? Like, mm, let's put that through the litmus test. How true is that, right? Like, mostly we can apply that to the things that matter most. Not money, comes and goes, right? Uh, not the time that you feel you need for yourself, that also doesn't really fulfill you, right? Um, I, I really believe that there are areas in our life where uh, trust is a major factor in our relationship with God. Uh, one of the ways in, in our fellowship uh, is our tithe, right? Our, our offering. Um, and, you know... Most of you who know me know that I have a, a strong conviction about uh, giving money that belongs to God back to God, right? Um, so I'm not, this is not judgment. This is just me sharing what I feel is like, you know, wealth is one of those things I really focus my energy and my thoughts on. 
when I was young. And so I believe that it's the one altar I need to abandon and, and demolish uh, in my relationship with God. So money is one of those things, you know, um, for, for a lot of us. Um, and if it is for you, then you can, you know, uh, identify that area as a, a trust area to, uh, to fortify, right? Okay, uh, going back to the question about building trust with someone else who does not care. Don't throw tomatoes at me. Is that what God is doing with you? Is it? I think sometimes, yeah, he is. He's trying to build trust with me and I, like, I got bigger problems, God. You know, this trust thing, I, I got this thing down. Hmm, yeah. That's when your spirit tells you, oh, you know, like, hold that train. Not everybody's on board, you know? So, yeah. Um, and if we don't trust him, uh, who do we trust? Uh, is it ourselves? Yeah. Uh, actually, you know, so this is the thing. I think that we are a reflection of something else that reinforced itself in us, right? So you didn't wake up one day and say, yeah, you know what, I really need to be wealthy. I really need to contribute to that 401k. I really need to eat animal protein, right? Uh, some, some idea, some, someone insected the idea into your mind and then reinforced it. And so it became pervasive in our belief system. Right? So we trust it. So we're actually trusting the world and what it reinforces. And sometimes it's actually not insidious. It's actually good for you. But I think that God wants us, wants our trust in him to be paramount above all the other things that we trust. Because he knows we trust the things that we see and we can't really trust the things we do not see, right? Especially this heaven and hell thing. I mean, how do I really know, right? We actually don't have physical proof. We just have faith, right? Okay, so as I grow in my trust, uh, I realize the importance of obedience to God. Okay, so those of us who have children, or those who have been children, which is all of us, right? Uh, we know the foundation uh, obedience is to a functional household, right? Uh, what we learn from our families is uh, about obedience. It's, it's authority, uh, you know, it's uh, knowledge from experience being passed down. Uh, it's rewards, it's consequences, right? Most of us, right? really, really difficult to train yourself uh, to teach someone godly obedience when you don't have it innately. Like, you know, that doesn't just come from ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we're, we're inept. We're insufficient when it comes to that. Okay, so uh, I really like this, this picture because uh, that's kind of how I see obedience, right? Like, it's, uh, it's something I got to carry, you know? It's, uh, it doesn't really bring me great joy, you know, like I'm not 
sitting at the dinner table and saying, man, I really want an extra serving of obedience today, man. Uh, <clears throat> but, but that uh, is diagnostic of how I see uh, this relationship with God, right? And, and, of course, I have to work on that. Um, Jesus says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in His love. Okay, so what are you talking about, Jesus? Why are you referencing love with keeping commands, being obedient? What? I thought it was about authority and submission and, you know, doing the right things and all these things that we assign to the value of Obedience, right? <clears throat> oh, yeah. So uh, Hebrews um, says that Jesus became perfect through his obedience. I'm sure you've seen that scripture, right? So it's interesting that Jesus was not uh, perfect, that he also had to work at his perfection. Now, I don't know how that formula works, you know, because, yeah, I don't know how the formula works, but I know that there is a relationship that uh, Jesus feels very strongly that binds obedience, perfection, love. You know, like we could probably spend our whole lifetime thinking about that, thinking about its meaning. Right? Isaiah 43, 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you, pass, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Okay, so my question is, uh, why, if we're talking about love and obedience, why do I have to pass through any waters? Right? Like, why do I have to walk through fire? Like, couldn't it be a little easier? Right? I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels this way. I'm sure sometimes, you know, like, oh, man, this can't be from God because it is way too tough. This relationship in my, you know, like in my church, like, this can't be from God. Right? Now, don't get me wrong. This is not, you know, like, this is not authoritative. But, you know, my invitation is, hey, um, a step back from the situation you're in uh, to evaluate what you're seeing, how you're feeling about being obedient, right? Uh, when it comes to obedience, I, I think a lot about, well, what's the path? Like, what do I got to go through? right, in order to be obedient. And then how obedient is obedient, right? Like, is it, like, absolute? Or can I kind of define it, right? Can, can you throw me a bone, Jesus? You know, like, can I just walk through, like, can I wade through the water, right? Like, do I have to walk through water that's deep enough to sweep me? You know, I'm joking, of course, but I think we feel this way, right? Like, we want to dictate. Oh, man, like, 
Jesus, it would be so much easier to be obedient if you made it this easy, right? Or if you would just let up a little bit, right? Or when we see other people go through challenges and we think, man, Jesus is tough. Like, I don't got an answer for you, brother or sister. Like, you know, wish I could help, right? What I love is God wants us to take our focus away from the path and focus on the companion. Because who's with us, right? Like, he's not watching from a distance, right? He's, he's not judging my performance, right? And if we're not obedient, then what are we? Yeah, some, sometimes, clear answer, disobedient, right? I know we have a lot of educators, so I'm sure that, like, hey, it's disobedience, right? Uh, you know, I, I actually think there's more expansive ways in the horizon, you know, for you to view. So maybe it's self-reliance. And self-reliance for me is just independence masquerading as maturity. Hmm. I don't know. I'm, I, yeah, I'm too mature to really suffer with that particular issue, right? I, I feel this way sometimes. Like, uh, I don't know if you see everything, right? Like in my discipling partnerships. I don't, I don't know if you've been blessed with the wisdom of the Lord, right? Maybe let me explain it to you. Let me, let me help you to see a clearer vision, right? Like, let me, let me try, maybe controversial word, maybe let me try to justify why you should see things from my lane, right? Like my path. And I think that that's a valuable thing to do. It doesn't hurt us to walk in each other's shoes. But walking in each other's shoes doesn't necessarily solve the, did you see the companion problem? You know what I'm saying? Like, this, this relationship that we have with God, uh, it's, it's um, I mean, it's, it takes a whole lifetime to figure out, uh, from my point of view. Uh, so, First Peter says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to you, has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. <laughs> now, uh, I don't know how you feel about, you know, this, right? I think it's kind of absurd. Like, nothing surprises me about my sin. Hmm, I don't know. I had... So, you know, those of us who have been around in 2010, we had this great 2020 vision, right? It was pretty awesome. And one of the visions was to establish a Vietnamese ministry and a Vietnamese church here because we have so many Vietnamese people. Uh, and at the time, I wasn't doing very well spiritually, uh, focused more on my career. Um, so, you know, the leadership asked me, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, mm, let, me, uh, let me think about it. So as with everything, okay, I think, all right, uh, I want to know that this is what God wants and not what other people want, right? That's kind of my 
fail safe. Yeah, so, so I'm praying about it. And, you know, it happens that, you know, God opens doors, answers prayers, like ridiculous prayers. And I'm thinking, all right, well, you know, God's got me. I mean, like, it's very clear what he wants. So, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And, you know, I think, you know, because I'm doing this, God is going to be so pleased by me. And, you know, he'll see my obedience and he's going to bless it. And it's going to be amazing. And, you know, like, we'll build this bridge between the, the Vietnam church and this church. And, yeah, okay, so about seven years later, my faith was exhausted. I mean, I was exhausted. Uh, you know, uh, I learned a lot of uh, things. Uh, you know, this, like, this concept of n not being surprised really, really stuck with me. Uh, it wasn't so much that <clears throat> I would never do that. That's not the surprise. The surprise is how defensive I get when I confront God's word or when my discipling partners confront me, right? Like, hey, uh, this is on you. No, it's not on me. Nope. Because if I had better people, I'm sure you've thought this too, right? Like if I had a better preacher, if I had a better Bible talk leader, if they were more mature, whatever it is, right? So I'm not blaming you because I, you know, I told you I have this, you know. So anyways, uh, after this whole experience, God, in his infinite wisdom, uh, convinces me that, no, actually, you know, like, I didn't choose you, uh, you know, to fulfill this grand vision for, you know, like, I, it wasn't you for the people, right? It was this particular thing that I had to give to you to bless you with the knowledge of how wretched you are. Now, I say that with zero resentment because I love that God loves me enough to pull me out of the fire because I don't know what the trajectory was. You know, like I, I'm pretty sure that I would probably have another conversation with mom about going to hell, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, you know, like I'm joking. But, but you know, I was not doing everything that I could do to please God. That was the thing, right? And I'd, got, I'd gotten to the point where, man, like I started to resent people. Like, man, I can't be, like I don't want to be around these people. Like really bad, bad, bad stuff. And I had to have a, a conversation with God. And, you know, like God, I don't want to, I, I hate quitting. Oh, man, I hate quitting. Uh, but I do not want on my conscience that people's faith were stymied because of me. I hate that even more. So, you, you, you know, you, you got to be obedient, give it up to God, live to fight another day, you know, pick something else. And that's what I did. And God has been good, right? Like, I felt like there was a stranglehold until I surrendered, and then God loosened. And then, and, then, and then it was like, oh, man, I really didn't deserve that. Like, I really don't deserve how good you are to me. I still feel that way. Like, you know, there, there's some, uh, you know, the path sometimes is horrendously, horrendously unfair, right? Uh, but I think that that's where God has you 
where you need to be in his relationship with you and in your relationship with him. Okay. So, final thing that helps me is to listen for his voice. Now, here's the story. Here's, here's, here's my version of listening to, uh, to his voice, okay? So, you know, uh, Marcel, had, uh, Marcel knew that he was going to be out of town. He asked me if I would like the privilege of speaking to my brothers and sisters. I said, yes, I would. So, you know, I'm thinking, like, it takes me a couple of weeks now, and I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. Uh, sometime last week, you know, the Spirit prompted me to ask, hey, why don't you ask Marcel what... If he, if he has an idea of what he'd like for you to talk about. And I was like, no, yeah, because I think if he wanted me to say something, you know, he'd be specific about it, right? So, you know, I'm like, ah, I think I got my, you know. So, and it wasn't belief. Yeah, it wasn't belief. Um, so, so, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, just going through and stressing out and, you know, like, right. And then on Friday night, uh, on my anniversary, um, so, uh, you know, Koki says, hey, um, you know, you really should ask if Marcel wants you to talk about belief. And I was like, woman, <laughs> I got it covered. I know what I'm going to talk about. Because uh, I, I, oh, I hate last minute chance. Like, I just... You know, like, uh, if you ever want to know how sinful Tuan can be, just change something at the very last minute and you'll see the fangs like, you know, Count Dracula comes out, right? So that's what it was. That's what it was. And, and you know, she, she was like, what? what are you, what's going on? I was like, okay, I think that was the voice of my Lord. So, you know, I'm like, you know, it happens once, maybe you can ignore it. It happens twice, okay, dude, uh, you know, somebody wants you to do something, and you better, you better do it because it's, uh, you know, like you're trying to contribute to other people, basically, right? Okay, so, so I had a conversation with Marcel that night, and I said, hey, would you like for me to talk about, you know, belief? And he said, well, you don't have to. And then I thought, oh, Whenever someone says you don't have to, Jesus is basically saying, pick your poison. Go ahead. Go ahead. Right? And I was like, you know what? I think I, think I will dissolve my hatred for last-minute changes because there must be something Jesus wants in this. Right? All right. So that's my example of listening to his voice. Okay. Says he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He calls, meaning he uses his voice. And you and I both know voices are very recognizable. We know that from early infancy, we attach to voices that are familiar to us. We form emotional bonds, right? Do you need absolute silence? when you listen for his voice. Do you? Okay. It says, The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down 
my life for the sheep. Okay, so just bear with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something. Hopefully, I think it's funny to you. Okay, who knows what sound a sheep makes? Who knows? Okay, all right. Okay, so everyone, you, you guys can probably, you know, like capture that, right? Okay, now what I'd like for you to do, all of you, go ahead and say that out loud all together in unison. Go ahead, yeah. Keep saying it. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm going to say a name, Rusty, right? Okay, uh, Chad, Lupe, Steve, Steve Martinez, right? Like, can you hear it? Okay. So uh, you don't need absolute silence, do you, in order to hear his words? I think what Jesus is describing is a very intimate relationship, a, a, a knowing relationship. You know, it, it takes, I mean, some of you have, have been, you know, Christians for a while, so you, you, you know this, that it takes a lot of care uh, to, um, to raise sheep, right? Uh, you, you know, you have to be very particular uh, what to feed them. Um, you have to build shelters for them. Uh, you have to, um, uh, you know, like I didn't even know this, you have to make sure the airflow is proper for them. Uh, you have to make sure that, you know, they don't catch diseases. So what I'm saying is uh, it's, it's always interesting, I think, that, you know, Jesus describes us as sheep. And more interestingly, that he is willing uh, to be our shepherd, that he named us, like he knows us individually, right? Uh, do you ever hear his voice and wonder whether it's his voice. Do you, ever, do you ever wonder that? I think sometimes it's because, remember, we're, we're in the same pen with the other sheep, and you just heard, like, what sounds, you know, like... Okay, so maybe the voices of the other sheep are too loud for you to hear the voice of your shepherd. Maybe. And he says that he calls those that are his own. Meaning there are others in the same pen who are not his own. So, are we listening to the other sheep when we should be, especially those that are not his own, when we should be listening for his voice? Are we, right? I have to always ask myself that question. Is that his voice? Which is why I ask him for signs. Which is why I'm convinced when he gives me signs, it's got to be from him. Now, the thing is, well, maybe you misunderstand the reason why, right? But I don't think it's wrong to be convinced and to, to ask God, hey, God, is this your voice? Right? Okay. So during communion... Let's reflect on this, okay? It says, The Lord, your God, is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with 
singing. During communion, let's think about our need to be saved. Let's think about this. And to help us, let's think about how much pleasure it gives for God to think of you, to be the mighty warrior who had to humble himself to save you. Uh, The salvation is continual, I think. The blood still runs. And we are in danger, as we grow older and older, of that blood drying up. If we are. Now, the blood itself, I, I don't think, dries up. But we don't look at it as fresh and new sometimes. Right? Uh, I'm very imaginative. So, when the Bible says, He will rejoice over you with singing. Uh, one of the practices that I started with my grandchildren is uh, when I hold them, uh, I sing to them. And I imagine God doing this for me, embracing me, uh, comforting me, providing what my soul needs the most. To me, that's the salvation, right? To have an intimacy, to know that my Lord sings and rejoices over me. Hopefully, that helps you in your communion. I hope that the scriptures really impact you, right? I think that this is what worship is. I think that this is what uh, an encounter with God is. We can't walk away from our time together and not feel like, man, I gotta, I gotta know Him better. I hope that that's what the scriptures do for you. Amen. Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, we are so grateful to you for um, the the way that the words um, encourage us, uh, the way that it convicts us. Uh, the way that uh, it uh, melts our hearts, the way that uh, it just um, cleanses our soul, purifies us, and transforms us. Um, Thank you so much for uh, knowing what it is that we need uh, and uh, saving us from the things that we thought uh, would fulfill our life. Um, Thank you so much for the relationships that we have in this room, uh, Father, it's amazing for me uh, to see uh, how you've saved uh, my brothers and sisters and uh, how much it means uh, for each of us uh, to carry you uh, in our life, in our heart. We love you. Uh, please forgive us uh, for the sins that we commit against you, against heaven. Um, please help us uh, to know you much deeper, much better. Pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.